Well, my name is Daniel, in case you don't know me. And uh, our senior pastor, Daryl, is out of town. He is in Zion, just really roughing it. Um, poor guy, you know. So, so you guys are stuck with me today. <laughs> so, a guy walks into a bar. Am, am, am I allowed to start a joke in church like that? I don't, I don't, I don't know. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. So, he walks in the bar looking frustrated. And the bartender asks, what's the matter? The guy replies, well, I've got these two horses and I can't tell them apart. I don't know if I'm mixing up riding times or even feeding them the right foods. The bartender suggests, well, why don't you just try shaving the tail of one of the horses? The guy says, that sounds like a good idea. I think I'll try that. So a few months later, he returns to the bar in worse condition. He says, man, I I shaved the tail of one of the horses, but it grew back again, and now I can't tell them apart again. Bartender says, well, why don't, why don't you just try shaving the mane? And the guy goes out, and a few months later, the guy's back, shaved the mane of, of the, one of the horses, but it grew back. And the bartender at this point is just really frustrated. He's like, just measure the horses. Perhaps one of them is slightly taller than the other one. The guy storms out of the bar. The next day, the guy runs into the bar, says, it worked, it worked. I measured the horses, and the black one is two inches taller than the white one. That doesn't have anything to do with my message. I just thought it was a good joke, so. (laughs) Oh, what happened there? All right. So I want to start, uh, now that I've got you laughing, now I want to go back to Deuteronomy, and I want to read this passage. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Listen, O Israel, today... You are about to cross the Jordan River to take over the land belonging to nations much greater and more powerful than you. They live in cities with walls that reach to the sky. The people are strong and tall, descendants of the famous Anakite giants. You've heard the saying, who can stand up to the Anakites? But recognize today that the Lord your God is the one who will cross over ahead of you like a devouring fire to destroy them. He will subdue them so that you will quickly conquer them and drive them out just as the Lord has promised, after the Lord your God has done this for you. Don't say in your hearts, the Lord has given us this land because we are such good people. No, it is because of the wickedness of the other nations that he is pushing them out of your way. It is not because you are so good or have such integrity that you are about to occupy their land. The Lord your God will drive these nations out ahead of you only because of their wickedness and to fulfill the oath he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, this is an interesting passage to me. So this is just after, if, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're not familiar with the history of Israel, so uh, they were freed from Egypt, they were slaves there, and they made their way, they'd been here once before, about 40 years prior to this, where they were about to enter into the land and take it, and they got afraid, and they couldn't do it. And so, uh, because of that, they had to wander around uh, the wilderness for, for 40 years. But at that time, 40 years ago, they'd sent 12 spies into the land to take a look at it. And 10 of them came back with reports of giants, like he's talking about there, the Anakite giants. And, and oh my gosh, there's no way that it's too much for us to overcome. There's no way that we can do that. And so they weren't able to go into the land that God gave them because of that. And so Today, the the title of my sermon today is Stepping into God's Promises. 
And I believe that there are three mindsets that kept them from entering into the promised land 40 years before. And those are three mindsets that I believe that we can take and we can apply to our lives to, well, hopefully we don't apply those three mindsets to our, uh, to, to, to our lives and um, we can learn to combat them and, 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 to, and to really step into what, to all that God has for us. Because I think that there's oftentimes we live so much in, in defeat day after day that we never truly experience all that God has for us. And so the first mindset that I want to talk about is this mindset that it's just too big. So in verse 2, it says, The people are strong and tall, descendants of the famous Anakite giants. You've heard the saying, who can stand up to the Anakites? It's the, the mindset, it's too big. And so what I want to do for just a second is let's go back in time 40 years from this point. And that takes us to Numbers chapter 13. And let's, and let's see what happened there. And this is the report when the 12 spies came back, and, and 10 of them had bad reports, um, and, and, and this, this is what they're saying. He said, we, saw, we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. And the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. The nation of Israel, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. And what was their response to this? They started weeping and complaining. When I was a kid, I was really scared of roller coasters. Now, this is somewhat ironic now because now I'm a bit of a thrill seeker. Roller coasters don't even typically do it for me. I've got to resort to things like bungee jumping. For my one-year anniversary, my wife and I went and did skydiving. And, uh, you know, so, so that's, that's what I've got to resort to now to, to, to get a rush. But it's, as a kid, as a seven-year-old kid, I was scared to death of roller coasters. And so one time when we were at Lagoon, you guys, you guys know Lagoon, right? Uh, up in... Uh, what, Farmington, right? So Lagoon, we were at Lagoon, this is, and this is the first time I've been there, and, and we go on the white roller coaster. You guys know that ride? It's not, it's not that big of a ride, right? Like, it's, it's, it's just really not scary. Well, I cried the whole way. That's true. You guys can laugh at me. Okay, it's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> now, at this theme park, there was another roller coaster called the Colossus. Now that's that's a bit scarier than than uh, the white roller coaster. The, the Colossus is is uh, at the time was the biggest roller coaster. I think they've got a bigger one now, but that was the biggest roller coaster. And after my experience with the first roller coaster, there was no way I was going to go on that ride. Like it was not going to happen. See, uh, you, you go up way too high. Uh, you go upside down in that ride. I was like, uh, uh-uh, nope, not touching it, not doing it, no way. You see, my eyes were on the size of the roller coaster, and it hindered me from going and having a good time and having a really fun ride. The nation of Israel here, they were stuck on the size of the people. And they saw no way that they could defeat them. And so what did they do? They resorted to weeping and complaining like I did as a seven-year-old kid. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And it says, David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what Will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? 
I want you to notice his language there. So David is talking about Goliath, who was a giant. He was over nine feet tall, bigger than everybody. And they were basically the Israelites and the, and, and the Philistines were at a standstill where Goliath would come out and say, bring me your best soldier and whoever wins, the other army will be, the, be, your, be slaves. And, um, and everybody was scared to death. But what does David say? He doesn't say, who is this humongous giant? No, instead he just says, who is this pagan Philistine? Why is he, why is he allowed to defy the armies of the living God? If you go down a little bit further into verse 34, it says, but David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with the club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Woo! I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Now that's hardcore right there. Grab the lion by the jaw and club it to death. Oh my gosh. But he's done that before. See, David is not seeing the size of Goliath. He sees someone who is defying the living God, and he knows that he's going to defeat him. Just like he's defeated the lion and the bear in the past. The next mindset that Israel had that kept them from entering into God's promises was an I'm in this alone attitude. Verse three of the first passage I read, it says, but recognize today that the Lord your God is the one who will cross over ahead of you like a devouring fire to destroy them. He will subdue them so that you will quickly conquer them and drive them out just as the Lord has promised. So, again, if we go back 40 years to when they failed to go into the promised land, that takes us to Numbers chapter 14, verse 39, and it says, when Moses reported the the Lord's word, so this is after Israel chickened out, they weren't going to go in, they listened to the 10 spies who had bad reports rather than the two that had good reports, And, 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 and then God tells Moses, they are not going to enter into the promised land. They're going to wander for 40 years. And, and so then when Moses reported the Lord's words to all the Israelites, the people were filled with grief. Then they got up early the next morning and went to the top of the range of hills. Let's go, they said. We realize that we have sinned, but now we are ready to enter the land the Lord has promised us. But Moses said, why are you now disobeying the Lord's orders to return to the wilderness? It won't work. Do not go up into the land now. You will only be crushed by your enemies because the Lord is not with you. When you face the Amalekites and Canaanites in battle, you will be slaughtered. The Lord will abandon you because you have abandoned the Lord. But the people defiantly pushed ahead toward the hill country, even though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Lord's covenant left the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in those hills came down and attacked them and chased them back as far as Hormah. So what happens here? So, so the Israelites scared, said, no, we're not going to go in, then regretted it because now they're going to have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And, and so they say, no, you know what? Now we're going to go. Moses is like, you're doing this on your own strength now. God is not with you. But they go instead, but they go anyway. They try to go into the land on their own strength and, instead of God's strength. Now, Philippians 
That passage says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But the key in that verse is that it's through Christ that we're doing it. I can't just do anything on my own. I think sometimes people try to claim that verse to do ridiculous things. So uh, that that God's not with them in that. They're They're just trying to use that verse to say, well, I can go do this crazy thing. God has to be with you. It's through Christ who strengthens us as we move forward in life. And I believe that's a common mistake that Christians make is, is they try to bring God's promises uh, to, to pass on their own strength and in, the, in their own time rather than waiting on him for his timing. Abraham did this when he had a child with Hagar rather than waiting on God to do what only God can do. Let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter 17 and the story of David with Goliath. And in verse 41, it says, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the name of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear, This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. David recognizes something very, very powerful here. He recognizes that it is not on his own strength that he's going to defeat Goliath, but it's on God's strength. Now, I believe had he been arrogant and said, you know what? I've killed a lion before. I've killed a bear. I got this. I can kill this giant. He would have failed. Goliath was uh, much bigger than he was. He was much better trained than David. But when when David took his eyes off himself and he put them on God, that's when he was able to have victory. When your eyes are on yourself and your problems and this attitude that I've got to muster up my own willpower to overcome this in my life, whatever it is for you, there's a problem. But when your eyes are on God, that's when you can have victory in life. Then the third mindset is, it's all about me. And in verse 5 of the first passage I read is, it is not because you are so good or have such integrity that you are about to occupy their land. The Lord your God will drive these nations out ahead of you only because of their wickedness and to fulfill the oath he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let's turn to a passage in um, Daniel chapter 4, verse 28. This is about Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he was the king of Babylon at the time. And, he's, and, and so it says, But all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. 
As he looked out across the city, he said, look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. While these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals, and you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. That same hour, the judgment was fulfilled, and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. So Nebuchadnezzar had this this mindset that it's all about me. I did this. He saw the the great nation of Babylon and credited it to himself rather than giving credit to God. And as a result, he had his sanity taken away from him. Now, I firmly believe that I'm in a room full of people who can change the world, and we can do it together. There's not a doubt in my mind that we are going to do great things for Jesus. Because God has a big call in this church. Do you believe that? It's not some small call. God has a big call for this church. But please, don't ever make it about you. Our response is, to success always has to be to give it back to God. Do you, you know the song, um, Bless, Blessed Be Your Name, from a num- number of years back? It's been, it's been a little while for that song. But the, the, the phrase that says, every blessing you pour out, I turn back to praise. In Exodus chapter 15, just after God delivered Israel out of Egypt, they immediately give God the credit. Verses 1 and 2 say, Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. It's easy to let pride seep into our hearts when we're successful. There was a, a time when, when, I, when I would uh, lead worship and, you know, occasionally I might get positive feedback from somebody. I don't know why, but occasionally I get, get positive feedback from people. And, and, and it was easy to pat myself on the back and say, yeah, good job, good job Daniel. Look, you're, you're a gifted worship leader. But, 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 but at the end of that, ultimately, like it may have felt good for a moment, but at the end of that, it just led to frustration, See, it's only when we give our gifts and successes to God that we can find true fulfillment. From the the time I was 18 until the time I, uh, until now really, I guess a number of, it was probably about five years ago where God, I guess, really broke this idea in me, but um, I was seeking to be successful. Don't we all, to an extent? Like, we want to be successful in life, don't we? And for me, that meant a couple of things. For one, it meant that uh, it had been doing well at school. And, well, my grades started going down as I, when I was at university, and um, were, they, were not, they were not as high as I, as I felt like I was capable of. And so for me, that made me feel like a failure. 
It also meant having a successful career. Well, I started out as an engineering major, found out I didn't want to do that. Switched to exercise science with the plan of going on to physical therapy school, didn't get into physical therapy school. Uh, that, that, that didn't work out. I pursued a career in teaching. I was frustrated with that as well. Uh, what else did success mean? You know, it, success meant having a girl, and, 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 and uh, up until about three years ago, I was single. Th- three years ago, I got married, so I guess four years ago, I was single. <laughs> and, that, and, and all of this led me to believe, man, Daniel, you don't, you don't have it together. You are a failure. Finally, it was around January of 2010 when I, I cried out to God and said, God, I'm, I'm done with this. I'll do it your way, no matter what that means. And, and, and then God took me on a journey that's just been amazing. I'm still, still on this journey. But uh, I, I, he took me around July of 2010. I, I went to Australia and spent two years at, at Hillsong College. And while I was there for two years, God just broke some things in me. And, 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 and this... this attitude of keeping my eyes on myself was, was huge. I mean, that, that was so big on me. And God taught me to take my eyes off myself and look to him. For me, the giants in my life were pride. They were self-absorption, to name a few. And I don't know what your giants are. Maybe it has to do with your mindsets. Maybe God's given you a vision so big you have no idea how you're going to do it. Maybe your giants are finances. Maybe it's other people's opinions of you. Maybe it's a character flaw. Maybe it's complacency, self-esteem. Those are just a few things. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe your giants are drugs or alcohol. I don't know what your giants are, but, but can I encourage you? Stop looking at yourself and stop looking at your giants and let's look at God. The Lord goes before you. You can trust him. And when he comes through with you, for you, and he will, give him the credit. Now, as I said earlier, God's called us as a church to some pretty, pretty big things. And one thing I can say is that our vision is not a small one. It's, our, our vision is big. I think, did, did, I, put, did I do, um, oh, I, uh-oh, oops, I meant to put our vision statement on there. Um, but our vision statement is that we believe that Oasis Vineyard Church is called, exists to significantly contribute to God's redemptive purpose by loving people and serving our way into the hearts of the community. We want to significantly contribute. And how do we do that? By loving people and serving people. That's a big statement. And we believe that this year, we, we, we communicated in January, been communicating ever since, that God is calling us to a deeper level of unity here in the body of Christ. Here in, 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 this, in, in, in Oasis specifically. But that's a big call, and I can tell you for a fact that I'm not capable of making that happen. Because people are messy. And I don't always agree with other people's points of view. And I don't necessarily want to be in unity with everybody all the time. You relate to this? And I'm just one person. Let's, let's throw every, every other person in this room into the mix. And, and, and man, we've, we've got a challenge ahead of us if we want to be a unified community serving Jesus. So what should our response be to this call? If you're anything like me, your response may be something like, it's too big. Let's tone this down to something we can do. 
You know what, if I, if I do X, Y, and Z, I can make this happen. So in your mind, you start to think about, well, what, what, what can we do? So, so you plan out a whole strategy based on what you can do on your own strength, but that's not what God's called us to do. The problem with that is that you've, we've left God out of it when we do that. Now, I'm all for planning things. It's our responsibility to go into things as prepared as we should be. But, but if the only things we're doing are the things that we're capable of, there's a problem. We should be taking on things that we are not capable of doing and that we need to trust in God to do through us. See, we need to realize that God goes before us. He will make a way. We plan what we can do and then we let God do the rest. An example of a way that God's re- God really has done that through us is, is Westfest. Sure, we, we, we do a lot of planning. We, we do the things we can do. We plan a craft. We, we research materials. We have comic books that we're able to get. And, um, but, but God has done so much more through Westfest than just a nice, nice craft that people come. We have been able to pray for people at Westfest who have, uh, who, who have just been, been at their wits' end. We have... Um, really made our way into, into the community of, of West Valley, and we've been asked by, uh, by different people with, with West Valley City to go to other events because they love what we're doing, because, because we, we're there just to serve. And God has used this little bit that we have, this small church, we're less than 100 people here, and God has used us to do amazing things because we've trusted him because we've kept our eyes on him, because we've been obedient to him every step along the way. Well, I'm, I'm sure we haven't been obedient every step along the way, but, <laughs> but we've been obedient to him. And God has used that. God has used us to really impact people in the community. Now, we could have at the beginning, we could have said, you know what, this is just too big. We said, you know what, we can't afford the materials for this, which to some extent is true. We could have said, we don't have a volunteer base to do this. We're a small church, which from a natural point of view is true. But we didn't say those things. God told us to do it, and we stepped into that. We prayed, we believed that God was going before us, and he did. And now, and now we're what? This is our fifth year, I think, doing comics and the sixth year at Westfest. Am I saying that right? Or maybe it's four and five. I can't remember. But, uh, but, but either way, we've been doing this for five or six years. And God, and every year has just been, has, has had different stories of God coming through. So he's provided. So can we take that and not pat ourselves on the back? Because that's not what it's about, right? It's about giving the glory back to God and saying, okay, God, will you take us further? What else do you have for us? How else can we be a blessing to other people? How else can we be a blessing to the community? That is what God has called us to. Amen? And in order to go to the next level, to the next, pl- to the next place where God has for us, we've got to be unified. So let's, let's, let's work on loving each other, discipling each other, praying for each other. Can we do those things? 
And then let God come in and change our mindsets and let God come in and do what only he can do. I'm excited about what God has in the future. Can I have the worship team come forward? I believe that God is taking us into a new season in 2018. And I think that this concept of unity, I believe that this is something that God's, I think this is going to take us on a journey for the next couple of years. Well, for the rest of our lives, really. But I believe specifically for the next couple of years, this idea of unity, I believe that God is doing something very specific and exciting in our community. And the only way it's going to happen is if we keep our eyes on him. So Lord, I just pray that you would change our mindsets, that you would keep our eyes on you and not on ourselves and not on the giants in our lives, Lord. God, we love you. We are hungry for you and we want more of you, Lord Jesus. We, we are not satisfied with the status quo. Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus? Would you come and, 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 and speak to people here this morning who are just bound up? Who feel so defeated right now. If that's you and you're just sitting here and, and you feel just defeated in your everyday life. And as we sing these next songs, can I just encourage you to just surrender to Jesus. Don't even think about how you're going to, to conquer these things in your life. Just surrender to Jesus and let him begin to work on you. And in fact, can I have the prayer team go ahead and come forward? And as we do go into these next few songs, I, I encourage you, while these songs are going, you are welcome to come up and get prayer. And we'll have a time for some ministry after the, the, the songs as well. But, um, but feel free to come up while the songs are going if, if you just really get the sense that you, that you want prayer. So, um, Lord, we give this time to you. Lord, would you come and speak to our hearts? Jesus' name. Let's worship. Not the same. Jesus has bought us with a price, and we are no longer the same. Every chain is undone. We're going to go ahead and uh, pass the offering bag, and I uh, encourage you to go ahead and put your uh, connect cards in there as, as, as they're passed. As, and, and Lord, we just pray a blessing on this offering, Lord, that, that, that you would multiply it and let us use it for your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. As uh, we started that last song in that, that, that first line, you have, uh, you restored the wasted years. I just got the sense that there are people in this room that you just feel like there are so many wasted years. I've been bound up, you, you, you've been bound up and... Um, And you just have this profound sense of regret. The amazing thing about God is, is, is he can restore those wasted years in your life. So I just want to pray. If, if that's you right now, I just want to pray for you. Lord, would you just... For those in this room that feel like that, Lord God, would you... Give them your peace. And would you show them that life can be different, that there can be victory 
in life, Lord, and that you do want to restore the wasted years. Would you just, right now, would you just push aside all of that regret and just look to Jesus and let him come and heal you right now because he wants to. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. More, Lord. Come and speak to us. Lord, speak to our hearts right now. I pray for healing right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just like that song said, every chain is undone by the power of his son. He, Jesus' work on the cross allows you to be free. And it says elsewhere elsewhere in the Bible that he who the Son has set free is free indeed. You can go through this life free. You can go through this life with joy. You can go through this life with peace. And you know what? That doesn't always mean that every circumstance in this life is going to be good. You might be going through a challenging time. And you can still go through this life free, with joy, and with peace in the midst of of challenging circumstances that will come, I promise. It's an old song. I don't even remember who's singing. I could probably, if I thought about it long enough, I could probably figure it out. But it says, sometimes he calms the storm, other times he calms his child. And I think uh, that's so true. There There are times in our lives where God just comes through and he parts the waters and we can can go through on dry land. And there are other times that instead he takes you through it. So, Lord, I pray that your word this morning seals itself in people's hearts and that they can move forward today, that we can all move forward today freer than we were when we came. We thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the prayer team's still up here. I encourage you uh, to, to come up and get prayer for anything, anything that was spoken up today or other issues that, you, that, that you've been going through, uh, physical healing, any of that, feel free to come forward. But God bless you, and I pray that you have a great week.